Thanks. And uh, thanks again to everyone for coming to this uh, Wednesday gathering. Um, so uh, before I begin my talk, I'd like to uh, say that my pro pronouns are he, him, his, and also that my other identities, uh, white, middle-class, heteronormative, cisgendered, uh, tend to be mainstream in the US, uh, United States, and they've given me many uh, privileges as well as many blind spots. So therefore, I'm uh, committed to discovering my blind spots, to be open to others pointing them out, and to also, also to learn about the experience of others. I'd also um, like to acknowledge that um, most of us on this call are living on the traditional and ancestral land of the Massachusetts, the original inhabitants um, of what is now known as Boston and Cambridge. So we pay respect to the people of the Massachusetts tribe, past and present, and honor the land itself which remains uh, sacred to the Massachusetts people. Um, and acknowledging uh, this land, uh, we are also acknowledging the tragic uh, realities and consequences of colonialism that are especially important as we move into the traditional holiday of Thanksgiving. So, um, but Thanksgiving is uh, also, especially nowadays, uh, time to uh, practice the virtue of gratitude. Uh, so the topic of my talk today, as Nico said, is about savoring gratitude and self-appreciation, uh, three pathways to happiness. Um, so this isn't a Dharma talk uh, per se, uh, because it will be mostly secular and science-based. Um, but the parallels to Dharma practice will be quite obvious, and I'm also going to uh, point some of them out. And um, so I might speak for an hour or so, and we'll be up. We'll do some practices. I'll show a little video, try to keep it interesting, maybe even have some interaction over the next hour. And then at the end, we might have another 15 minutes um, for uh, discussion. So hopefully uh, it's an interesting uh, evening for everyone. So um, as we know, um, life is a mixture of good and bad, uh, bitter and sweet. It's, it's kind of like, um, like dark chocolate and you really can't have one without the other, you know, dark chocolate we like the bitterness and we like the sweetness. And in, in our daily lives, frankly, we wouldn't know happiness if we didn't know sorrow and vice versa. This, this, this is a very natural state. The weird thing is, is that our brains have a really hard time registering and, and enjoying the positive side of life. So for example, if you think during the meditation that we just did, um, that you're, if you think about uh, when your mind wandered, what did it wander to? Inevitably, uh, the answer is some problem that needed to be solved, right? Um, maybe some difficulty in the past that's still lingering or some future challenge, you know, maybe you're thinking about <laughs> simply the challenge of like, what am I gonna bring to this Thanksgiving event or <laughs> who will be there or, or who will not be there or maybe you're not going to an event and that has, anyhow, uh, difficulties. Our minds, when we have a spare moment, they're looking for problems, you know, so why is this? So you've probably all thought about this because if you spend any time on the cushion, <laughs> you've noticed this. Um, but um, why does it do this? So you've probably all heard about the default mode network in the brain. Raise your hand if you've heard about the default mode, your physical hand. Yeah. Okay. A few hands have not gone up. <clears throat> but anyhow, it's a part of the brain right down the middle of the brain. 
um, different sections along the middle of the brain that become highly active when we are um, not focused on a task. In other words, when we have some uh, rest. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> this is a, and, and this is actually a good thing because if, when we're focused, let's think just for example, in terms of human history, if, if we were running from a saber-toothed tiger and then we got safe, and then we had a moment to reflect on what just happened, it's a really good thing if we reflect and think, okay, where did this tiger come from? Where did this tiger go? Does this tiger have relatives? Where do they hang out? Such that we would be able to, the next time, not encounter the same tiger and live. So actually, to have a default mode that thinks about problems past and future all the time, whenever, we had a, whenever we're not uh, preoccupied with something else, is uh, good for survival. Unfortunately, it's not good for happiness. So um, there's a psychological term uh, for the tendency to look for problems, uh, and it's called the negativity bias. Rick Hansen um, quipped that we are Velcro for bad experiences and Teflon for good experiences. This is a fact. When something good happens to us, just think about it yourself. You know, it's like a really beautiful day. Often we say, yeah, yeah, beautiful day. Right. Okay. Now, what do I need to do? <laughs> so so we, we just kind of pass over it because somehow it's not as relevant. And it's not as relevant because it's not a problem. <laughs> so anyhow, Helen Keller wrote, when one door of happiness closes, another opens. But often we look so long at the closed door that we don't see the one that has opened for us. We get stuck on the negative. This is human nature and it's evolutionarily embedded in our neurology. But, you know, um, Buddhist practice is all about clear seeing. And if we want to see clearly, we have to correct the, the negativity bias. We actually need to intentionally, on purpose, with training, be able to actually linger with positive experiences in a new way. You know, not grasping for them. We know that that's a source of happiness, of unhappiness, of misery, but in a new way. So. What does it take to intentionally uh, pay attention to uh, positive experiences in order to accurately perceive the world and, frankly, accurately perceive ourselves? We do the same thing with ourselves. We're always focusing on our faults, on our shortcomings. And you don't have to be depressed to do this. You just have to be human. What does it take to actually see ourselves in a balanced way? So this is what we're going to do uh, this evening. And there are, at first, I'd like to read a, another poem. This is a poem by Tony Hoagland, and it's called The Word. Down near the bottom of the crossed out list of things you have to do today, between green thread and broccoli, you find that you have penciled in the word sunlight. Resting on the page, the word is beautiful. It touches you as if you had a friend and sunlight were a present that your friend had sent you from a distant place um, as this morning to cheer you up and to remind you that among your duties, pleasure is a thing that also needs accomplishing. Do you remember? Do you remember that time and light are kinds of love? And love is no less practical than a coffee grinder or a safe spare tire. Tomorrow, you may be utterly without a clue, but today, you get a telegram 
from the heart in exile, a telegram from your heart in exile, from my heart in exile, proclaiming that the kingdom still exists, the king and queen are alive, and they're still speaking to their children, to anyone among them who has the time to sit out in the sun and listen. So what does it take for us to do that, to get these messages, to actually find the time for pleasure and enjoyment and savoring in the midst of all our responsibilities? So what I would like to offer you this evening is three very easy practices that help us to sit out in the sun and to listen. Basically to correct the negativity bias. And those three practices, three themes are savoring, uh, gratitude and self-appreciation. Okay, so starting with uh, savoring. So what is savoring? So savoring is very simply mindfulness of positive experience. So it doesn't mean grasping. That's not mindfulness, right? It means to actually recognize positive experience, to allow ourselves, to give ourselves permission to be drawn into it, to linger with positive experience, and then to let it go. So that's savoring. So I'd like to do a brief exercise with everybody. Okay, so um, um, what I'd like you to do, everybody, please, is to rub your hands together. And as you do this, to notice the, the sensations in your hands. In other words, notice the sensation of touch as you rub your hands together. So you might say, oh, okay, so this is a mindfulness of touch exercise. I am aware in the present moment of the sense of touch in my hands. Yes, indeed, you are mindful. This is a mindfulness of touch exercise. So now what I'd like you to do, same thing, but I'd like you to very slowly and gently rub your hands together. But this time, allow yourself, allow it to be a very sensual experience. That is to say, Give yourself permission to really enjoy in this moment, the sensation of rubbing your hands together. In other words, doing it as an act of, as an act of love. And, but mostly giving yourself permission to really enjoy it. Following, you know, your inner promptings. Ah, ooh, that's nice. Allowing yourself to enjoy the sense of touch, one hand to another. Perhaps even like you've never done before with your own hands. Okay, so did you notice a difference? So in, 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 in terms of any you know, external change, there was simply a shift in intention, right? One was sense of touch, the other one was savoring. In other words, giving yourself permission to enjoy the pleasure. So a little intentional shift, did you notice a shift in your experience? And one of the reasons why savoring is so important in um, concentration meditation is that we actually don't have to try very hard to pay attention to things we like. You know, if you're looking at a little baby who you really like, you know, you're just 
you know, you're, you're not thinking about 10 other things. You're like thinking about the baby or say a beautiful sunset. You know, when we see a sunset, a beautiful sunset, we just, the mind just kind of stops because we are attracted. Anyhow, the bottom line is we focus really well on things that are attractive to us. And when we can find something in the breath that's attractive, which it, which for most of us means it has a beautiful, soothing rhythm, you will naturally pay attention. We will naturally pay attention. We will fall into attention in our, uh, with our breath. And, and we, and frankly, it, we will have to remind us to go ourselves to go back to the breath, but in the same way that we remind ourselves when we're caught in a difficult situation that we can actually, we don't have to stay there. We can go to a better place, you know? So that's what savoring is. You know, isn't it amazing? It's a simple shift in intention. So many people on this call are going to tomorrow have quite an opportunity to practice savoring. You know, you're probably going to eat, you're probably going to see more different foods than you would ordinarily see. You can savor trail mix for God's sakes. You can savor a raisin in mindfulness based stress reduction. You know, you can savor raisins and cranberries and raisins, cranberries and cashews, but what is involved in a fancy dinner, you know? So uh, the invitation is, um, is to uh, give yourself permission like a moment, permission, as Francis was saying, you know, just sort of slowing down, but not just slowing down. We're not just doing slow eating. We're, what are we doing when we slow down? We are giving ourselves permission to enjoy, permission to enjoy. And this is available to us all the time. So what does it take to be happy in this life? Um, one thing is to give ourselves permission to recognize, be drawn into, linger with positive experience, and then to let it go when it goes, knowing that there is another thing just around the corner because we have made space for it, okay? So no matter what's going on around our lives, it is always so that there is something to savor, but the problem is not that it isn't there. The problem is we don't give ourselves permission. <laughs> okay, so that's that's the message of savoring. I hopefully that's super clear. I guess I don't want to overdo it either. <laughs> uh, anyhow, regarding um, the research, uh, savoring uh, research by uh, Bryant and Viroff and uh, a bunch of other people, Quidbach and. Um, and his associates uh, clearly show that savoring increases happiness and life satisfaction. Okay. And also we've even seen savoring in the brain, uh, particularly savoring of positive emotions that has been shown to increase activity in brain areas associated with associated with positive emotions and also emotional resiliency. In other words, savoring increases emotional resiliency easy to imagine because um, if we're basically happier, we're more resilient, you know? Okay. So that's, that's savoring. Um, the second, uh, you might say key, very easy to implement key to happiness is gratitude. And so what is gratitude? Gratitude means uh, appreciating the good things that life has given us. So it's a little different than just savoring because there's the sense of receiving, the sense of receiving. Um, and I mean, that's also in savoring and there's an overlap between all three of these savoring, gratitude and self-appreciation. But um, when, we, when we just focus on what we don't have, which is what the default mode will do, we remain in a negative state of mind, but ample research shows that gratitude practices enhance well-being. So I'm going to just read some of these things, research studies to you, just the summary findings to impress upon you that this simple act of gratitude 
is really good for us. It's good for our physical health. People who are high in gratitude have, in one study, had a 23% lower level of the stress hormone cortisol. In other words, physiologically, 23% less stressed. 16% lower diastolic blood pressure, 10% lower systolic blood pressure compared to those who are less grateful. Um, People who are gratitude had a 10% improvement in sleep quality among those with chronic pain. People with chronic pain slept better when they could find things they're grateful for. Um, and then there's a practice called counting blessings, which, which literally, you know, you got 10 fingers. Counting blessing means you think on each finger of one thing that you're grateful for. So this simple practice of counting blessings, um, which, which people did at the end of the day for two weeks, reduced the impact of daily stress and also increased overall well-being. Increased overall well-being, two weeks, just before you go to bed, thinking of 10 things that you're grateful for, okay? And then another common way of um, cultivating gratitude is writing a gratitude letter, like literally writing a letter to yourself. And if you're really bold, sending it to somebody else uh, whom you're grateful to. But at any rate, simply writing the letter reduced feelings of hopelessness um, in 88% of people who are suicidal and increased levels of optimism in 94% of those people who were suicidal. Just letters of gratitude. This is an internal shift. Conditions of life did not change. At relationship to, to the conditions of life changed. That's amazing, 88%, 94%. And also uh, counting blessings and gratitude letter, the two of them reduced the risk of depression uh, for at-risk patients by 41% over a six-month period. That's amazing. And uh, um, and uh, people who kept a gratitude journal, they also uh, improved their lifestyle. Um, <laughs> for those who kept a gratitude journal versus those who didn't, dietary fat intake was reduced by 25%. People basically, by being grateful, ate better. And um, there's actually, I'm not going to say all the research, but you really need to know this is such a simple thing. And it has big effects on our physical health, on our behaviors, and our mental well-being. Now, I don't know about you, but um, when I was young, and I, I suspect there are quite a few other people in this on this call, who didn't like gratitude when we were young. Like when I would get a, a birthday present or a Christmas present from my European relatives, I'm first generation here, you know, I would for two months, my mother would, would you know, prod me to write a thank you letter. And I just hated this whole concept of gratitude. I enjoyed the gift for like five hours and then two months of suffering because I didn't want to write a letter of gratitude. But Nowadays, I love gratitude. And the reason is because gratitude is a wisdom practice. And I think you can probably see how this is so. So if we think about what is wisdom, um, wisdom, uh, at least from a Buddhist perspective, is seeing the interdependence of things. Basically seeing the complexity of a situation. It's kind of an Eastern view of of wisdom is kind of seeing interdependence and complexity. The Western view is more about finding your way through. In other words, skillfully um, reaching a solution to a problem. Um, But when we practice gratitude, um, what we're doing is actually practicing wisdom by acknowledging the many factors in our lives, large and small, that contribute to our lives. And we're not just acknowledging them by saying, yeah, this, yeah, that. With gratitude, we're actually acknowledging with the heart. In other words, not just with the head, with the heart. When we feel gratitude, we're activating the heart. So I was once giving a talk in Switzerland, and a woman came over to me and said, you know, 
um, uh, she said, what is the, what is the texture of wisdom? What is the texture of wisdom? And I thought, texture of wisdom? Wisdom has no texture. Wisdom is a very abstract thing. What is the texture of interdependence, you know? And she said, uh, it's gratitude. If you want to know what wisdom feels like, it is the feeling of gratitude. That's how wisdom feels. So, so I, I just think it's really helpful to elevate, you might say, gratitude practice, not only because of all the science, but also um, uh, if we want to grow wise and to really see things as they are in their interdependent way, gratitude is a marvelous way of getting there. And But gratitude is not just a wisdom practice. It's also a relational practice, and it's also a connection practice. Because if you think about it, the joy that arises from gratitude is in part related to the freedom from the illusion of separateness. Separateness is a cause of so much suffering in life. But when we can stop and see the interrelated nature of things and how we are part of that, we don't feel so separate and we start to feel joy. So these are, you might say, some of the mechanisms behind um, gratitude practice. So what I'd like to do now is to show you a YouTube video that illustrates <clears throat> the power of gratitude. And uh, this is by uh, David Steindl Rost, who is a Benedictine monk now, he used to be out in California for a long time. He's now back in Austria, his native place. And um, first I will show you, uh, if you want to, see, it's a five minute video. And if you want to see it later, this you can see it on YouTube. It's called A Grateful Day by Brother Steindl Rost and on gratefulness at gratefulness.org. And uh, it's quite lovely. So I'm going to uh, share it with you now. Again, five minutes long. Okay. Look at that. 
look at the faces of people in the world. Each one has an incredible story behind their face. Not only their own story, but the story of their ancestors. that life from generations and from so many places all over the world flows together and meets you here like a life-giving water if you only open your heart and drink. Open your heart to the incredible gifts that civilization gives to us. If you flip the switch and there's electric light, turn a faucet and there's warm water and cold water, and drinkable water, a gift that millions and millions in the world will never experience. And so I wish you that you will open your heart to all these blessings and let them flow through you. That everyone whom you will meet on this day will be blessed by you. Just by your presence. Let the gratefulness overflow into blessing all about you. And then it will really be a good day. Yeah. So to have that mind where we um, can live in a state of gratefulness also requires a little practice. But what is very clear is that um, a state of gratefulness, um, when practiced over and over again, becomes a trait. A trait is nothing more than a repeated state. So if we would like to cultivate the a trait of uh, great gratitude, uh, we just need to practice. And so what I would like to do is to lead you in a very simple gratitude practice. You remember those 10 fingers? So what's especially kind of fun <laughs> it is to um, think of uh, 10 really insignificant things small and insignificant things that you usually overlook that makes you grateful. So for example, if I wake up in the morning and I look at my glasses and I notice, oh, I don't need to clean my glasses this morning. I just have a little moment of, oh, nice, you know, uh, gratefulness. Um, uh, or if, if I'm, say, walking down Mass Ave and, and a child is toddling along and looks up and smiles, you know, I, it just makes my day, you know, small little things or buttons, you know, my shirt has buttons. So occasionally I lose a button. <laughs> I feel, oh, but isn't it great when you have a button? That works, you know? So these are small and insignificant things um, that we can be grateful for. So the question is, what small and insignificant things are you grateful for? 
in your life. Now, it's very easy to think of the big things like I'm, you know, grateful for my daughter or something like that. Um, but how about the tiny things? Even, even looking around your room right here, where you are right now, maybe something occurs to you. So what I'd like you to do is to actually write down, either on your computer or on a piece of paper, 10 small and insignificant things that you feel grateful for. So this is called the counting blessings exercise that the research showed was so helpful. Okay, so you may not have 10 yet, that's fine. But now I would love for you to write in the chat oh, one thing that you feel grateful for, or you can write in two chats, two things, so that we can all see the little things that we often overlook. I'm not going to read them out loud so that, so that everybody can just read them at their own pace and absorb. And also just take a moment now to notice how you feel. Say, before you did this little practice and now, after you have just been able to identify some of the invisible richness in your own life. Yeah, so these are all just wonderful little things. Wonderful little things. I'm scrolling forward, I'm scrolling back. Balsam pillows. <laughs> Soft pink rug, pen that writes smoothly. Oh, look at that, the escape key on a keyboard. <laughs> That's perfect, it's magic. <laughs> So there we are. Um, so uh, the, the poet Mark, Mark Nepo once said, one key to knowing joy is to be easily pleased. But again, because of the way our brains are constructed, um, we are not easily pleased. We overlook systematically what pleases us. So what we want to do is to reverse that negativity bias. And one way of doing it is just to actually take a moment for gratitude for the little things. In the same way, we might give ourselves permission to savor, okay? Two, two related, but very similar things. And now the third uh, key to happiness. This one is a little trickier than the other two. The other two are a little less complicated. This one has some stickiness to it. 
um, which is why it's coming third. And that is uh, self-appreciation. So did anybody notice in the gratitude exercise that they forgot to include personal qualities in their gratitude list? In other, yeah, I see people nodding their heads, you know. So our personal qualities, maybe they're big, I don't know. So you didn't include them, but mostly we're looking outside and we don't actually, it's, it's especially hard to feel gratitude for our own personal qualities. Um, <clears throat> because what we do because of the default mode is we actually spend a lot of time finding our inadequacies and criticizing ourselves for them. Um, um, I'd like you to raise your hand, your physical hand, if um, you, you personally find it difficult to receive a compliment. Yeah. And so I've been teaching this for a long, long time, but I still find it a little difficult to receive a compliment as well. In other words, there's actually a mental override I need to do, which is uh, take this in, Chris, be grateful. It's a gift. Receive the gift because inside there's a, no. Oh! <laughs> so ordinarily, instinctively, when we receive a compliment, it bounces right off of us. Um, uh, and also when we receive the slightest negative feedback, we fixate on it. Like you might have at some point gotten a, a job review uh, at work, you know, and there could be like 20 superlatives and one kind of fair. <laughs> what do you remember three years later? Why did I get a fair on that dimension? <laughs> this is the negativity bias. Anyhow, so it's it's hard to celebrate our good qualities. It's really easy to linger on on our back our difficult qualities as well as what other people say about them. So the question is, why is it so hard to celebrate or to be grateful for our good qualities? What do you think? Maybe you can put in the chat why it, some reasons why it might be hard to. Uh, celebrate or to be grateful for our good qualities. Ego conditioning, right? In other words, uh, the tall poppies, they all get cut off, right? Fear of being perceived as arrogant. Perfectionism, yeah. Fear of arrogance. Inner critic, yeah. Brought up to be humble. In other words, to cross off our good qualities, right? Family patterns, for sure. Yeah, don't want to appreciate myself. Yeah, these are all true. And some other ones are, for example, we don't want to alienate our friends by seeming to brag. Um, we often don't pay attention to our good qualities simply because they're not problems that need to be fixed. Uh, if we name a good quality, maybe we're afraid. Maybe we're afraid we're going to lose it. You know, it could cause jealousy. Sometimes to name our good qualities makes us feel alone. Okay, so a lot of obstacles to actually seeing ourselves objectively, clear seeing. You know, vipassana, clear seeing. Our brain is not made for this, but we can see more clearly if we would actually recognize and acknowledge our good qualities. Anyhow, so there are two insights that allow us to feel less separate and alone and thereby to appreciate our good qualities. And these, these two insights are very familiar to Buddhists. And the first is common humanity. So what does that mean? It means that everyone has strengths and good qualities. And acknowledging that I have good qualities or even acknowledging a particular good quality doesn't mean that I am superior to others. You know, I might be better at this, but you're better at that. 
So we don't have to feel alone when we name a good quality, nor do we have to feel superior. Everyone has good qualities and not such good qualities. What are yours? This is common humanity, okay? The second insight that allows us to name our good qualities and not feel so alone is uh, dependent co-origination or interdependence. So all of our strengths and good qualities are due, at least in part, to multiple factors which are outside of ourselves, uh, including the beneficial influence that people have had on us, or even, even if somebody was a negative role model, like if you said, I never want to be like that person, what gave you the capacity to say that? to know that, to have the energy to be different. That too is multi-determined. In other words, whatever it is that we, whatever way we may excel, it is due to such a multiplicity of factors that we can say this is so, but we probably cannot fully own it. And when we recognize that, we can in fact say it is so. Okay, so when we recognize the contribution of others, we can continue to feel connected as we recognize our strengths. So one thing to know is that self-appreciation is not selfish. It provides the buoyancy and the self-confidence needed in order to be able to give to others, to be compassionate to others. It is not selfish. Marianne Williamson wrote this, an expert from her piece, Return to Love. Uh, I just like to read it. She said, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us, right? We're really in many ways frightened of being really embodying the goodness in us, right? Um, We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant or talented? Actually, who are you not to be? Hmm? Your playing small does not serve this world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We do this very spontaneously, but there is nothing enlightened about shrinking so other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. And as we, here's the key thing, as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give permission to others to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence liberates others. I think this is the truth, right? So it it really is in the service of others if we can appreciate our good qualities. So I'd like to do a little exercise. If you have any juice left in you, it's uh, 23 after eight. We'll have at least 10 minutes to have a discussion after this practice. Um, But it's called... uh, it's called appreciating our good qualities, a self-appreciation practice. So this is a practice where we'll be able to like name our good qualities, but in the context of common humanity interdependence. In other words, it's what allows us to actually feel whole and connected and to be able to see that which is strong and good in us. Okay. You want to do this practice? If you got any juice left in you, if you don't feel like it, you know, this, this is being recorded. Nico's recording this. You could, you could do this at another, at another time. Might not be the time for you. And also, as you go through this, you might also have what we call a little backdraft. You might start to kind of have some challenging emotions that arise. I said this was a little more difficult, self-appreciation. So if that happens and you just don't want to continue, please just let it go, okay? Be compassionate with yourself. All right. Anyhow, if you want to do it, it's just take about, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, say 10 minutes. Okay. So it is a reflective practice. So uh, please, um, if you want to do this, close your eyes. 
And let your awareness drop into your body. If it's uh, meaningful, it feels right to you. You can also put a hand over your heart or some other part of your body where it's comforting or soothing. Just again, as a reminder that we're bringing not just awareness to ourselves, but also kind of a loving awareness, tender awareness, same kind of awareness that you would give to a friend. A friend who you want to be present for quality of heart that you bring to your friends. We want to bring to our own experience. Then I'd like you to think about uh, two or three things that you appreciate about yourself. Personal qualities, two or three. And, you know, if the first things that come up tend to be, uh, feel a little superficial, see if you can open to what you really deep down like about yourself. What do you deep down really like about yourself? And you won't have to share this with anyone. So you can just be really honest. This is a beautiful thing to be able to name. What do you deep down really like about yourself? If you feel any uneasiness in this practice, please make some uh, space for whatever you're feeling. Really just let yourself be just as you are. And remember, we're not saying that you always show these good qualities and we're not saying that you are better than others. We're simply acknowledging that this too is true. So what I'd like you to do is to uh, now focus on one quality in particular that you really appreciate about yourself. Just choose one. You're so glad about this. It has served you well. You are grateful for this quality. And now I'd like you to consider if there are any people who helped you to develop this good quality. Maybe friends, parents, teachers, even authors of books. You've been moved in this direction. Who helped you? Even if it's a negative role model, who helped you? And as you think about each influencer, please send them some appreciation. Or in the case of a negative example, um, recognition that this is so. But give a nod to whomever 
helped you to develop this good quality, one after another, one being after another. So what we're doing right now is really quite natural because when we honor ourselves, when we appreciate our good qualities, we automatically honor those who helped nurture us. So let yourself savor, if only for this one moment, feeling good about this quality in you, giving yourself permission to soak it in, knowing that everyone has good qualities and knowing that our good qualities come from an infinite number of conditions and people who allowed it to happen. Taking a moment now to savor your good quality and to let it soak in. Okay, so now begin to release this practice. And we will have about 10 minutes to uh, discuss this practice or anything else you'd like to talk about, savoring gratitude or self-appreciation. Um, uh, so uh, just allow yourself to reflect on the practice uh, particularly, was there anything that you noticed in this practice that you would like to explore further or that you'd be willing to share with others on this call? Anything stand out for you? Anything you'd like to remember uh, from this um, conversation, this talk this evening, as you go into Thanksgiving, as you go into a new year pretty soon, anything you'd like to remember, anything you'd like to, that by giving words to it, it would help you to remember. So listen to everybody, in light of uh, Thanksgiving, I would like to close with a poem, a final poem uh, called um, Love After Love by Derek Walcott. It has the element of feasting in it. Um, and uh, even if we are not going to be with loved ones and not going to have a ton of food, we can feast. So this this poem is called Love After Love, and it goes like this. The time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and will smile at the other's welcome. And say, eat. You will, you will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, 
Give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you have ignored for another, to the stranger who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit. Feast on your own life. Hope everyone has a good Thanksgiving. Thank you all. Have a good night. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.